1: to the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am your host, Stephen Igo. We've got a big show for you this Tuesday as I have just returned home from meeting with new head men's basketball coach Mike Schwartz in his office. We had an in-depth conversation, went nearly a full hour long, and so this intro is going to be brief as I just kind of preview our discussion. But lots of talk about several items, including but not limited to the roster that he has inherited, the guys that are coming back, the incoming players as well, as he signed seven new players. Also asked what he will be looking for in a 13th scholarship player, which as it stands today, the Pirates have 12 of the 13 scholarships accounted for for the coming season. And so we'll get into that discussion. We talked scheduling. We also talked about his philosophy, both defensively, which is clearly going to be an important part of his team as he comes to East Carolina from Tennessee where he was the defensive coordinator. But also we are going to discuss his offensive philosophy and how transition from that defense and maybe some versatility with the roster he's bringing in will account for some of the offensive uh, abilities for the Pirates going forward. So we got a lot to discuss and we're going to do it here on the other side as we'll dive into the interview with head coach Mike Schwartz and it'll comprise the entire show from this point forward. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the interview with head coach Mike Schwartz. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy
1: place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, welcome back to the Hoist of Colors podcast. My pleasure to be joined now by new men's head basketball coach, Mike Schwartz. Mike, you and your Coaching staff, you guys have got a lot done in a short amount of time. Uh, first off, just what's this transition been like and, and getting so much done in, in just a couple months span?
0: Well, you know, we're, we're not anywhere near done, obviously, but it's been great. Honestly, Stephen, it's been really good. uh We got here uh, at the very end of March. So I guess on the earlier side, when it comes to season ending, we, uh, we went into the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And then after that, I had a chance to get here to Greenville. And, um, But it's really been great in terms of getting our staff together, uh, starting to look at the roster, the guys that were here, and moving forward into some of the new signees and what it will look like this summer. And then honestly, one of the biggest pieces that doesn't get talked about quite as much, but it's probably been the biggest challenge, has been game scheduling. Uh, um, So we're kind of in the midst of trying to do that so we can put a nice schedule together for next season.
1: Yeah, I wanted to touch on that in a little bit. But but first off, you know, as far as putting your staff together, like sometimes maybe a first time head coach has trouble with that. But you had guys in mind, you had players in mind, and you guys acted very quickly, which I, I think is important. So How important was it in this landscape where the transfer portal, you know, there's so much movement. You guys came in kind of with a a clear plan and and acted upon that. Yeah, you know,
0: from from a staff perspective, I think any time that you have a chance or you're thinking about or chasing the goal of becoming head coach, that's the most important piece of it. Uh, Obviously, having the opportunity to get a position and be a head coach is paramount. But you always are thinking of who you want the staff to be and who... Uh, would be in there with you and is excited to come, or and the opportunity, uh, if it arose, would come. So that is something I've thought about for years in advance. So just very fortunate that the group of people that was hoping would come to East Carolina were able to do so and leave their current positions because they were all in really good positions uh, and decided to come here. So from a staff perspective, that's always been something that you give a lot of thought to and just feel very fortunate that we are able to make that come true here. From a roster perspective and putting things together, you know, Stephen, the, the thing that's crazy is there's been more change in college basketball in this last year than there's been in the 20 years combined of college basketball. I mean, that's really what it feels like. And I think anybody that would say anything other isn't being uh, forthcoming. So from a roster perspective, when we came in, and again, a lot has to do with the staff and the, the familiarity that we all had with each other, but we all knew what we wanted to try and accomplish. And we'll see if it ends up being successful. We, we feel very confident in it. We're excited about it. But we targeted a certain way that we wanted to recruit. We looked at certain positions We looked at a certain roster makeup that we wanted to put together. It was a little bit of a challenge because you don't know who is going to be here and who isn't uh, from uh, last year's roster. But we never went at it with this, we're going to just stay in the portal the whole time. So we kind of had to decide what do we have available in terms of scholarships. And then we set our sights on guys that we wanted to go out there and get. And uh, we feel pretty good about it.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you strike that balance? Because you see maybe some new coaches come in at different places and they say, hey, we're going full transfer portal, we're bringing in six, seven guys and and building it that way. You seem to be the guy who still wants to build a program. You know, Some people say, can you build a program this day and age? I I guess you firmly believe you still can. So how do you balance that and then how much went into that as far as looking at, hey, you bring in – you ended up bringing the two transfer guys as well as four freshmen in a JUCO, but what we'll kind of went into that balancing act?
0: Well, I think the first thing is you, you kind of got to be able to know who you are and, and as a coach, and this is now will be my 24th season in coaching, and I've had a chance to be a part of a lot of different programs and work with a lot of great coaches that have helped me uh, see what, what I think is successful. And there's no doubt about it that we wanted to build a program here that is more the direction – than just a good team or a winning team or a uh, group of talented players. Uh, We wanted to build a program and and the only way that I know how and we know how to do it is through bringing in younger players, high school players and development. We've had a great amount of success doing it at Tennessee over the last six, seven seasons Uh, But even prior to that, everywhere I've been, there's been some faction of Coach Barnes, whether it was the coach that we worked with or where we were in terms of connection to my foundation in coaching, which is University of Texas and Coach Barnes as a player there. And then as a young coach starting my career so i always wanted to go the program route i guess we'll see steven shortly you know if it's successful or not shortly but we'll see sooner than later hey is this a a, a angle that we can take or do we need to adjust i think the game is all about adjustments i'm not you know, I'm not saying that I wouldn't adjust if we need to and we need to say, hey, you know, maybe we need to get a little bit older quicker, but yes, that right now is the craze for everyone to say portal, 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 and get old and be as old as you can and go recruit players that were playing at other colleges, And but yes, the vision that I have and that we have as a program right now is we want to do it building a program with high school guys, guys that will be in our program for years to come so we could continue that development and improvement. And like you said, even the two transfers that we got out of the portal, Quentin DeBunje and and, uh, uh, Jaden Walker, both have three years of eligibility. And the one junior college transfer we have, Benjamin Baella from South Plains College, he has three years of eligibility. So we will not be
1: an older team, but we do have a little more experience than it probably looks on paper. When you guys look at kind of what's coming back and obviously a lot from the, the previous roster has left as far as proven scoring, uh, do you kind of look at that as an open challenge to the guys coming in saying, hey, basically every spot's up for grab at that point, at this point. Is that something you guys can really hit home on all offseason in terms of starting to build that culture, that program? Yeah, we need it to be. It's an unbelievable opportunity for incoming guys.
0: And it's also a great opportunity for the Five six guys that decided to stay and, and stay in this program. Um, you have uh, five scholarship players, and then you have a walk on and David Kasange that also stayed. And really proud of those guys and the commitment that they showed throughout this spring. And what you just commend them for what they went through uh, because it's not an easy situation for them. And 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 I'm the first to say that. And we know it's a difficult uh, scenario for them. End of the season. Coaching transition, new coach, new style, new vid, whatever it may be. So you commend those guys, and, and I'm really happy that they're here. But regardless of it, all players have a great opportunity this summer, and we'll be a completely new team. And by no means, Stephen, did we say we didn't want guys back. We gave every guy the opportunity. And actually, when we came in, we said we would love everybody to stay. You guys are ECU Pirates and you have and we want you to be a part of this program. We didn't come in and a lot of guys asked me about that, you know, and but that's not the case at all. We came in with we're going to build a program and these were the student athletes that were here and we were excited about them. But again, the portal and the world we live in in college basketball, it wasn't going to be like that. And guys decided different opportunities elsewhere and I, and I wish them the best and I think it's going to be good but without a doubt it's a good opportunity for incoming guys and some of the returners that didn't get to play quite as much last season uh, because we're a whole new ball club
1: we we'll want to talk about your, your ideal offensive and kind of defensive philosophy. I know you probably don't want to give away all, all the secrets, but, you know, we'll start defensively. That's what you were kind of in charge of at Tennessee. But I know talking to Riley Davis, some of the other assistants, they said you, you have an offensive background too. But defensively, you've kind of said that's what you want this team to hang its hat on at least to begin with. So how important is that side of the ball to you and, and how much will go into defensive, you know, kind of maybe hanging your hat on defense early? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think –
0: even if we were an extremely talented group of offensive players, or we were a really great offensive scoring team, defense will still be the most important thing to me as a coach and to our program. It is going to be what we do hang our hat on. It will be the foundation of what we do. Um, a big piece of that is uh, we hope that our defense leads to being a good offensive team. And But... No doubt about it that defense is what we are going to try and make the staple uh, of ECU basketball. And probably the one word that we we will try and say, you know, if you said, hey, describe what the defense is going to be or what is it going to look like, we're just going to attempt to be disruptive. We're going to attempt to pressure and be disruptive and keep the opposing offense uncomfortable. Um, just not the kind of coach and our staff is not the kind of staff that we're going to be comfortable with. Watching the opponents be comfortable on offense and move the basketball where they want and just say, hey, we're just going to challenge the shot or we're just going to, you know, hope they miss. I mean, right. that that's, that's not going to be in our vocabulary in terms of that, you know. And with that, there'll be some pressure points and there'll be some things that got to be able to happen uh, to be successful with that. But it will definitely be a, a defense that is predicated on man-to-man defense and more pressure and disrupting the opposing team's offense and hopefully if we're successful with that that leads to offense for us in transition the other end
1: and then offensively along with getting those transition buckets anything from your background that you really focus on in terms of being the real key to, to scoring the basketball whether it be the half court offense or, or something in that regard well I, you know I, I do
0: believe that we got to get this group together and see. I, I have had a chance to be in a lot of different offensive systems. I've had a chance at Fresno State and Tulsa to do a lot of stuff on the offensive side of the ball, whereas at Tennessee it was more defensive side of the basketball. So a lot will determine what this team looks like when we The June 12th, you know, hopefully be, we'll have everybody here. You know, incoming guys, returners, we'll all be back to start our summer training camp. Um, But the one thing that I can't say offensively is that I do believe the toughest thing to defend, and I look at this from a defensive standpoint, is transition offense. And so what does that look like, transition offense? Well, it's more than just running up and down. I think that... I believe you got to have multiple ball handlers on the floor. So I don't believe the ball just has to be in the point guard's hands all the time in transition. I do believe that there's something very difficult to defend when multiple players are a threat to bring the ball up the floor off of a rebound or off of a miss. Um, so that is something that, I don't know if I want to call that unique or something, but that's something that I do believe in. I do believe that you know multiple players can lead the break, if we are do the right job preparing and learning what our system needs to be and doing that. Uh, the other thing is I don't uh, – we love to have a 7-foot guy or a true center that you can just throw the ball to and, and get the ball inside and say we can go get it in the paint whenever we want or we can go draw a foul. But at the expense of saying we have a guy in there that you could just throw it to because he's 6'10", 6'11", 7 foot, or do you spread out and put the five most talented guys out there or the five offensive players – are more of a threat to cause problems for the defense i believe more so in the latter i believe i would rather spread the floor a little bit more put guys in a position where make the defense uncomfortable having to step out and guard and again those two areas i look at again what was the most difficult thing from a defensive side to guard and when teams had multiple ball handlers bring the ball up the floor and it wasn't structured every single time in terms of transition or when the team was able to step out and really go a little bit, you know, you use the term small ball or undersize a little bit and pull a post defender away from the basket, I thought those things were always a challenge to to defend as someone that was thinking defense first. And they made it difficult for us at Tennessee and in all places I've been. So I think those two areas are two things offensively that, that that I believe in.
1: Uh, let's dive into this recruiting class. I know you guys y'all had an awesome rollout on social media, which a lot of fans enjoyed. Uh, but I want to kind of maybe expand on, on some of these guys and also talk about the returners. So we'll go one by one. I'll see if I can get the pronunciations right. You uh, correct me if I'm wrong. All right, we'll start with Quentin DeBunje. Quentin DeBunje, yes. Uh, from Tennessee, and, and I know you played a big role in recruiting him originally. So talk about you guys' relationship and bringing him here with, with his upside.
0: Well, Quentin is a is a great kid. Uh he really is and you know, he um he was in France playing uh over there with his uh academy and playing over in France where he was um, he was part of the national team in France in, in that program and then he came over for his post grad year at Montvert Academy. He came over for one year and kind of was aware of him through recruiting Eve Pons years uh, prior uh, from France. So that's how we came aware of him and, and his family and coaching staff. And so just uh, he's a wonderful person. He really is a very hard worker, someone that loves to be in the gym. I've been watching, uh, talking to him and watching his social media here the last few nights, and he seems to always be in the gym at 10, 11 at night. He's always in there, and that's what these guys do these days. They post the pictures and do that. But tenacious worker. High competitive uh, spirit. Uh, probably his biggest strengths as a basketball player are his speed and athleticism combination that he possesses. He's got very fast feet. He's a power guard. He's probably every bit of 6'5", 220 right now. Uh, actually, I think he told me he was 223 the last time that, that he had gotten uh, measured at Tennessee and gotten his, his stats taken. So uh, big physical power guard that's more of a Scoring mentality player, straight line driver. Um, that, that's got to grow like all young guys do. We didn't play a whole lot at Tennessee, but had some real shining moments in practice that I had a chance to be a part of. But I've known Quentin for a few years now, and he's just a talented, strong athlete that
1: we're excited to coach here. Jaden Walker, another bigger guard, another transfer you guys are bringing in, again, with a lot of eligibility left. He comes from Iowa State. I know at a high school – he was seen as kind of a point guard. Do y'all expect him to play on the ball, off the ball, or kind of what's your plan for Jaden? Well, kind of like what we talked about earlier, Stephen, about the fact that multiple ball
0: handlers, I do believe in that. I believe in that from an offensive philo- uh, philosophy. From a philosophical standpoint, I do believe multiple ball handlers are a really good thing to have. But specifically to Jaden Walker, yes, we look at him like a point guard, someone that will play the point uh, quite a bit, but he will play off the ball too. And in in transition settings, he could be in the game as a point guard, and the two or the three rebound the ball, the shooting guard or the small forward, and he will play off the ball in that possession, or at least in, to initiate that possession. So, uh, but yeah, we do look at him like a point guard, like you said, another big guard like Quentin. You know, he's Quentin is is big and he's got more strength. Uh, Jaden is longer, wiry. Um, I think both guys can really impact the ball on defense, and that is something that is going to be key for us is that our ability to just make the ball uncomfortable, like we talked about earlier. But Jaden has a dynamic personality, and I think the fans and everybody here is going to be excited when they get to see him communicate. And I think to be a point guard, you got to be someone that you can be comfortable being out there and communicating and outgoing, and he really has that. I think he's a, a very good shooter think he's a guy that can shoot the ball better than his numbers have shown. It just And a lot of that is just opportunity and volume uh, in terms of that. But the one thing that caught our attention about Jaden, and when you think about this, what we talked about, rebounding the basketball, pushing the basketball, he plays against Kansas as a freshman and has 14 rebounds in one game against Kansas. Now, he wasn't doing it strictly from the point guard spot at Iowa State, but he was doing it all over the floor. But as a 6'4", 6'5", guard, that can rebound the ball and has got a knack. You don't get 14 rebounds in a game, let alone versus Kansas, in a Big 12 game if you don't have a good nose for the ball. So uh, very excited about uh, you know Jaden and his ability at his length to be able to play the point guard spot, but also give us versatility on both sides of the ball at any position.
1: Benjamin Baela, uh, another France guy and coming from the JUCO ranks. Again, three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, he was a guy I talked to soon after you guys got the job. Y'all were on him quickly. And what did y'all see from, from uh, Benjamin that allowed y'all to to really uh, turn up the heat on him and bring him into the East Carolina? Well, you know, the, the unique thing with
0: Benjamin is he, he played as a freshman and was really a high major recruit everywhere, was looked at as one of the top junior college players in the country. And then he got injured and spent the next basically year rehabbing and getting back healthy. And his recruitment was still – at a, at a high level but pro- you know I think some schools probably you know lost track of him more than anything it has nothing to do with him but just as as we know in this business and in the sport you know out of sight out of mind sometimes so uh we but we always knew about Benjamin and he is a very Talented, versatile scoring wing. He's someone that can shoot the basketball. He's got great size. Of the three guys we've spoken about so far, probably has the best size of all of them. He's legitimate 6'6". He's got broad shoulders. He's got long wingspan. Uh, the one thing that I think everyone's going to be really intrigued with with Benjamin when he gets here is his incredibly serious personality and focus in terms of how serious he takes preparation and how serious he takes uh, player development. I mean, he is a very serious basketball player. And uh, I say that because it's that's not, not always the case in terms of his approach or or, or typical young guy's approach. Uh, he reminds us and our staff, and Riley Davis was on staff at Tennessee when Eve Pons came, but when we recruited Eve Pons, who's with the Memphis Grizzlies right now, very serious in his approach, regimented in what he does from how he takes care of his body to what he does on the court, to what he does after practice, extra work. And that's something that we're really excited about with Benjamin because he's going to bring that mentality and help build that culture because all that stuff is so important within, as we were talking about, we're going to have young guys and we want to build this program. So Benjamin is just uh, really can't wait till he gets here and takes defense very seriously too. Uh, wants to be a very elite defender and he has shown with his physicality he can be, so that's going to fit in well with what we want to do too.
1: This guy, the uh, next guy might be the most uh, loved early on by the fan base. Caleb LeCount out of L.A., you know, your old stomping grounds. 5'9", maybe 5'8", guard, but he's just a scoring machine. Uh, watched a lot of video of him. He just has a knack for putting the ball in the hoop. Just, I guess when you recruit a 5'8", guard, you got to feel... Confident in you know his ability to score and defend, do some different things despite him being undersized. So, what was that recruitment process like with Caleb? Well, the
0: funny thing is, is that I had seen Caleb actually quite a while back. You know, whenever I was at Tennessee, if I would be out there and I, I would pay attention to what was going on on the West Coast, and I very familiar with the Compton Magic AAU program, so I would go watch them. If I was at an event and I could go watch that watch uh, their team play I would. So I saw Caleb play actually I think a year to 2 years ago and I was always intrigued because he could do it then too. He's just out there obviously you look at his size but he was out there and whether it was on either side of the ball he was making an impact in the game. And you know, fans may or may not know we had a player at Tennessee named Zakai Ziegler uh, last year. And same scenario, 5'8, five, 5'9, five, saw him play at the Nike EYBL. And, man, we just fell in love with the impact that he made on the court, both sides of the ball. And a lot of it just started with his heart, physical toughness and heart. And that's what Caleb has. And so I think potentially people have passed up on him in the past or have wondered could he do it, and maybe that's why his recruitment went a little bit later when you asked about how his recruitment went. But it took us very quickly when we got here to – want to be able to recruit him and he happened to be playing with his AAU team in the spring if he hadn't have been that would have been okay with us too we already knew what he was he just that was something he had made a commitment to and he's got a great AAU program that that they you know he was a part of as they chased that uh, you know their Adidas summer championship but um, Caleb is just a very tough-minded kid he plays the game with a lot of heart he will guard the ball 94 feet, which, again, talking about disrupting the basketball, is going to be key in our defensive system. So he's willing to do that. He puts, we call it he puts his toes on the baseline every time. Any chance he can, his toes are going to be on that baseline guarding the ball, trying to make the other point guard uncomfortable. And then offensively, here's what you got to know. He's been 5'7", 5'8", 5'9", his whole life. So this is not going to be something new for him. Is there going to be a huge challenge with some of the size, athleticism, strength, of college basketball, of course. But it's like that for anybody. But he this is—he knows how to play at that size. And he knows how to score at that size. And he plays the game. He's got a great mind for the game. He can play in pick and rolls. He knows how to deliver passes out of the pick and roll. He knows how to get in the paint. He gets himself in trouble sometimes, like a lot of guys do. But he's going to have to learn to make some adjustments when he gets too deep. But the bottom line is anybody that can average 35 points a game that can lead his team to an open city championship game, that can score 59 points in a game and maybe have multiple 40 and 50 point games. He knows how to put the ball in the basket. But more than anything else, whatever he does on both sides, he's got incredible mental toughness. And he's got a lot of grit and heart that we just can't wait uh, for him to be a pirate here this
1: summer. Yeah, I think a lot of ECU fans are are really going to love watching him play. Seems to just fit in great with the culture here. Uh, another guard, this guy, a bigger guard, you know, six three, six four. Saxby Sunderland, uh, another incoming freshman, potentially could play on or off the ball as well. What did y'all like out of Saxby? Yeah, that's what you just said him. Mm-hmm. The, the ability to play on or off the
0: ball—that's big. Again, I think through us speaking here today, you kind of realize like. I believe in multiple ball handlers. I think it's one of the toughest things to defend when you – and it doesn't matter. If we have a five that can handle the ball, I'm going to be okay with the five handling the basketball. I don't don't want guys to be in a box where because they're on the court at that position at that time, they can't handle the basketball. If we have a four or five that can handle it, that to us is an offensive advantage and makes it hard on the defense. And Saxby fits right into that. I mean, he is a guy that uh, probably was hurt more so than anything by covid and the portal uh you know he had a lot of really strong offers when he was younger even his junior year going into his senior year and i think with everything that's gone the way we talked about early on the way this game has changed in terms of roster management and recruiting and i think he probably got lost in that shuffle just a little bit to have an opportunity to still be available in the spring and when we got here, uh, Jake Morton was very familiar with him, had seen him play. And what Saxby is, is he is a tenacious worker. I've talked to him a lot here over the last few weeks, waiting till he gets here. He is in the gym 6 a.m. every day. He's back in the gym at night. He comes from an incredible family. He takes his academics very seriously. He's somebody that I think, from a culture standpoint, is everything that we're excited about and what we want our whole program to look like in terms of work ethic and taking a lot of pride in what he does on and off the court. But on the court, he's a really long wingspan, can handle the ball, can shoot the basketball, needs to add strength, is going to need to to get a little bit bigger and get in that weight room, like all our guys will need to this summer, especially us being a younger group. The weight room is going to be really important and what we do over there. But uh, just a... uh, tenacious worker with with a pretty high skill set for a guard six three six four and another guy that hopefully will be able to impact the ball on defense you start throwing, putting three four guys out there and you can bring them in in waves that can guard the ball guard the wing and then you let a guy like Caleb press up and get underneath the ball and see if he can disrupt it you know you have the makings of a disruptive defense this is
1: what we want to build here We've addressed now all the guards you guys had, two forwards as well, and two pretty versatile forwards, and Ezra Osar and Elijah Jones. Just talk about those guys, and I know uh, both of them are pretty highly recruited. Ezra had a a lot going on as well, Um, and he is actually a four-star recruit per one recruiting service. So uh, how happy were you to get those two guys? Really excited about both guys. Elijah actually ended up being –
0: Uh, one of the very first guys that we had a chance to go see uh, when we got here probably was in either end of March or early April whatever the exact date was but uh, we went up to to see him at his school and uh, let's start on Elijah just Skilled big guy, versatile, skilled big guy. It's going to need to uh, physically mature in the weight room again, especially as someone at 6'8", that's going to have to bang with bigger guys. And because we'll be a little undersized this year, may have to play up positionally. But uh, very skilled, putting the ball in the basket, shoots the ball with the comfort and ease of a guard, which is what was really uh, exciting about him. Uh, can handle the basketball. High basketball IQ player. And that's, you know, coming up from that PG County area up there. He's competed against high level competition, just like Saxby has when he was up there. I think another thing, Caleb being out from Los Angeles has competed against high, you know, city basketball, high level basketball in California. So I think those things bode well uh, in terms of it. But the transition is going to be difficult in still college. But I do like that foundation. But Elijah, just a skilled player, uh, can put the ball in comfortable scoring the basketball. Um, Ezra, upside, really exciting from a standpoint of his physical athleticism, his power, his combination of power, athleticism, and what people don't realize, and we spoke about this a little bit in the release when they, when they did a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, he's really got good ball skills. And again, it's something I'm excited about, we're excited about. He can handle the basketball, can pass the basketball Uh, how does that equate to uh, college level and AAC level competition obviously that's yet to be seen and we're gonna have to be in practice will there'll be a lot of work that goes into it but his foundation as a guy that's six let's just call him six eight two thirty five six eight two forty for a guy his size he's got an uncanny ability to handle the basketball and what he does well and is apparent on film and watching him live is he can finish around the basket. He can play above the rim. Another guy that even with uh, very fortunate that he's got a, a good college-ready body is going to need to get a lot better this summer. Both those two guys are going to need to. But both legitimate size and a legitimate ability to play the game at six eight with real skill. Um, and it's probably, as excited as we are about that, it's what we're probably missing is a true paint player. I don't think either of those guys fit into that mold. I think both will run with those responsibilities and and will do what we need them to do and they're excited about it and they've talked about it, but we don't have that true centerpiece in the paint right now that is thriving to play back to the basket. I wouldn't call either of those guys back to the basket guys, but I think that they both have the skill level to play 15 feet and in facing up and do those things and drive the basketball. So we gotta get it different ways until we can fill that void.
1: Let's talk now about the, the five uh, scholarship returners, and I'll kind of go over them, um, and you can address them as a group or individually. Uh, Javon Small, R.J. Felton, Winston Tabs who I know is still rehabbing from an injury, and then the two uh, guys in the paint, Brandon Johnson and Luigi DeBow. Uh How was the transition working with those guys shortly after you got the job, and just what did you maybe see out of that group?
0: You know, again, like when we started speaking today, the biggest thing was just the way they – Jumped two feet into everything we did. And we didn't get a whole lot of time, Stephen, honestly, to work on execution this spring. We, we were limited to three and a half weeks of workouts is really what we got. Uh, only one week of it was a true in-season. It was the last week prior to the Final Four where you got the full amount of hours. Then it became postseason workouts, which you're limited to four hours per week. But what we did was it was a huge emphasis on conditioning, and the way we're going to do things more than just what we did. Not what we did, but it was how we did them. And so with that, again, those five guys, and you could throw David Kasanga into that group, incredible buy-in and tenacity to do things at the pace we wanted to do them, offensively and defensively, with the limited execution piece. Just giving the bare bones of it, but saying, hey, this is how we... And it wasn't easy. We, we went through a heavy conditioning spring, so I was very proud of all those guys and what they did. And then within that, we were able to see and compete in certain areas where we could get a feel for them basketball-wise. I mean, you can only, we can watch as much tape as you want. It's, it's not the same as when you're down on the court and you're competing and you're going live and even drill work. We did a lot of drill work, but the competition aspect where we, it was difficult for us this spring— was that we had so few guys. At one point, we had five guys in practice one day. And I don't know, I think you stopped by practice one day and I think there may have been six. So it looked like we had a loaded gym when we had six. But uh, it just didn't have a whole lot of guys. So it was hard to get the, the three on three, four on four consistently that we would have liked to done. But we'll say this, Javon Small, showed that he you know he didn't play a whole lot last year but you can see he's got a nice skill set with the ball he's someone also that looks like he could play with the ball in his hand Without the ball in his hand, he shot the ball well this spring. Uh, another one of the guys that could be multiple ball handlers on the floor at the same time and was excited about that. What Jabon has done that has made our staff really excited is he has gone to another level of work right now, it seems. Uh, talking to our strength coach, talking to our player development guys, the amount of times that he is in the gym extra at night in the weight room getting extra work done has been awesome. So really excited for that with Jabon and excited that he'll be back in June. Um RJ Felton. Look at him as somebody that he really, as the spring went, he started to take a more and more aggressive role defensively. I think he sees that that's an area that maybe he can make an impact in and what this staff wants and what we want. He's got great athleticism. He's got great length. Uh, In terms of wingspan, I think his physicality as a bigger guard can really impact what we want to do defensively, and I think he's excited about that, and we're excited about that. I think there's areas on the offensive side that he needs to continue to improve, whether it's decision-making and shooting, but you know what? If you have to pick between those two areas, I take someone that naturally can do that part, the grit, the toughness, the heart part, the one that wants to defend, I think we can work on helping someone become a better shooter or help him with our style of play and not putting him in positions to may have to make as many complicated decisions keep simplify it and i think rj showed that he can be good with that so we're excited about him uh winston tabs as you talked about Stephen being injured right now he's recovering his recovery's been great his attitude has been great he's doing rehab he's shooting in a chair he is now standing and shooting and You can't do much with him movement-wise, and I know he's on a very diligent path to get back, but what you can see is he can really shoot the basketball. And he can really shoot the basketball. He's got great touch and everything we've done you know we had him in a stool at first and pushed him all the way out to the three-point line in a stool we talked about that the day we got here that we would do that and he was so excited about it and now he's stationary shooting around and it's fantastic and so more importantly you just want him to be healthy he deserves an opportunity to be healthy and compete the way he's accustomed to competing what he's also done he's had a great voice he's had a great voice with the returning guys He's been a great host. When people have come in on visits, talking about, hey, we're excited about the direction with the new coaching staff. We're excited about the vision of what Coach Schwartz is talking about and what the coaching staff is talking about. So he's really put his arms around everything and embraced it, which has been fantastic. So excited for him when he comes back. Um, Luigi Debeau, uh who has one year left, he has been a great effort piece of just setting the tone for... Effort, intensity, doing everything we ask him to do, on or off the court, on the court, extra workouts, our, our daily vitamin workout program that we do. He has really been awesome with that and set a great example, and has got us excited about it. You know, I think the one thing that Luigi does that sometimes, sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much on offense. Uh, I think sometimes if he keeps it simple, and that's what we worked on this spring. If he keeps it simple, and he allows. Just his feel and athleticism and length to be a beneficial factor for him, he's pretty good. He can do things like that. But when he tries to do too much, whether it's over dribble or bring the ball down or do a, make too many things happen on offense is where he struggled some this spring. Uh, but again, in the limited time we had, we were really excited about the progress that he made, uh, you know, this spring. So, and I think he's only going to get better. And I think he's excited about the defensive uh, aspect of it all too. And Brandon Johnson, you know, the thing with Brandon is this: I think Brandon has a great basketball IQ. He's got a great feel for the game. We want Brandon to want to be an incredible shooter, someone that could stretch the floor. And, and if the opposing team sees that he has been left alone or he's man, it's going to put stress on them. That's what we really need Brandon to be able to be for this team. Someone that could be a, a perimeter foreman, that could, whether it's drive the basketball, shoot the basketball, pass the basketball, those three things, really be skilled at doing it. Uh, you know, I think he's got to get bigger and stronger this summer so that, again, we're going to be undersized, so we're going to count on him from on a defensive end and also rebounding. But the one area that Brandon, if he gets his consistency going of intensity if he can get that to the level that we are working with him on and talking to him about brandon could make a good impact on this team because he really has a great feel for the game he understands i think he's excited about what this program is going to be about and his skill set is at a level now we got to get his intensity and his physicality to that level consistently because we've seen it in spurts But when he puts it together, I think Brandon can be the player uh, that we need him to be and that he wants to be.
1: You guys do have uh, an extra scholarship available. Is that something you guys are looking at right now? Is there an ideal skill set that you're looking into for that 13th spot? Yeah, I mean, again, Stephen, if we could go find a guy, if we could find a big center,
0: if we could find a true post player that wanted to play back to the basket and embrace that, you know, it's not just sometimes right now finding the guy. There is fewer and fewer guys across the country that want to embrace that style of play because it's really, it's not very common anymore. And so even if a guy, sometimes everyone get caught up and oh, he's 6'10", he's 6'11", you know what, I'd rather have a 6'6", 6'7", guy that embraces being seven feet and in, than a 6'11", guy that wants to play at the three-point line, but you know should be playing seven feet and in. And that is the balance, I think, that all coaches are are dealing with right now. So um, more so than position, or more so than height specifically, We're going to look for someone, if we're fortunate enough to use with this last scholarship, someone that wants to play 15 feet and in and is going to thrive in doing that. Not that they don't or can't play outside, but someone's got to want to take that physicality and that paint presence on to some degree. The other thing that I'm always going to value is versatility on both sides of the ball. So if it's a forward, a front court player that can handle the ball, if it's a forward front court player that can shoot the basketball, but also wants to embrace that paint aspect that we're talking about. And then on the defensive side, a forward front court player that can really give us the defensive versatility we need. Switching on ball screens, handle guarding a seven footer if he needed to, but also switch on to a point guard if we were in a switching scheme on defense. So versatility and some kind of paint physicality, toughness, presence is what we're looking for. And um You know, we won't take another guard. I can tell you that. We won't. We don't need to do anything else in the backcourt at this time. It would be a frontcourt player. But what it looks like, you know, I guess we'll see. But I know there's a lot of teams out there that are still waiting and have three, four spots to fill and, you know, maybe dealing with this all the way through August. The fact that we're in May and we have one and we're getting ready to have everybody here come June, uh, the coaching staff and I feel pretty excited about it. We just can't wait till they're here.
1: You mentioned scheduling earlier. Any known opponents you can share at this time, or is it still just for next year? Is is that just still a a real work in progress right now? I'll be honest with you, Stephen.
0: Of all the things, and I've been asked this a lot, what was the most challenging, uh, you know, and people would expect recruiting the roster and the portal and name, image, and likeness, that really wasn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's obviously what we're dealing with every day, and it's paramount in everything that we do, and we understand that. But we had a pretty – we have a, a real uh, plan, a blueprint that we wanted to attack, and we're going down that path, and we're going to do it, and we'll make the adjustments as we need to go, and you know we'll go from there. And again, as we talked about earlier, if if at the end of this season or the end of season two we see things we got to adjust our philosophy, we're open to doing that, you know. But we attacked it with the way that we wanted to with our coaching staff, recruiting, current roster, style of play, and everyone thinks those are the hardest parts. They're challenging, but that's the fun part. The most challenging part has been scheduling, because when we got here, there was one game contracted, and you get 13 opportunities to contract games, and there was one game under contract, and that is a return game to Old Dominion, and so we'll execute that, and we'll go return that game, but outside of that game, there was not one other game that was under contract, right. where we could start to build around. So we're building a 12-game non-conference schedule to get to us to our 13. There was no multi-team event uh, tournament that was scheduled or contracted for this year, let alone moving forward. So that has been the challenge to try and get our schedule done. Um, so we're in the process of it. We've made some headway. Um you know, at the moment, in terms of final contracts being in and submitted, I think there's a lot out there in cyberspace right now going back and forth. Uh, but sooner than later, we'll have that. Um, oh, we may have be a little bit fortunate that a lot of teams are waiting a little bit longer because of the portal situation that we just alluded to who's going to be on what roster. People don't want to commit to games quite yet because they don't know what their roster is going to look like. Maybe they're looking at our roster saying, okay, what does it look like? A lot of new guys. So I think there's a lot of teams that are in this situation, but idealistically, you don't want to be trying to fill a whole schedule in the spring for the next year. You don't want to be doing it. This should be something that hopefully we'll be able to have mapped out at least a handful of games two, three years in advance. So now you can really be a little bit more... Meticulous about other games you play, but right now we got to get twelve. We got to get twelve games, and again, I mean, I think there's a bunch that are going towards being done, so it's not quite that many. But when we came in, again, it was just a matter of that Old Dominion game, so that's on the books. We will be playing at 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 ODU. We will definitely be returning that game, and um, that's not going to be an easy one, obviously. But the
1: other twelve, hopefully, in the next month or so, we'll have that all locked up. We got some, some fan questions. We'll run through them pretty quickly because I know we might be short on time. But um, somebody wanted to know, and this goes with scheduling, your philosophy on playing, like, you know, potential buy games on the road as far as, like, hey, if North Carolina wants to pay a guaranteed sum to host ECU, is that something you would you'd be open to, I would, I would ask? Yes, I would be. I would be.
0: And, you know, I, we may have to do one or two of those this year. Um, I don't think quite as much for the – Financial advantage that it provides and what you know I mean I think that's beneficial to the athletic department and to our program and so that's a, that's a bonus but with the situation we're in looking for games and the dates and and not as many teams having as many openings we may have to to do that so yes I would be open to it I think you want to take the right ones you want to take ones but you know in the end of the day that's why A lot of guys come to college. They want those opportunities. They would love an opportunity to go play in a great environment on the road with an SEC team or an ACC team. So we're not opposed to doing that if it meant doing one or two of those this season. I definitely am not against it. Uh, It's not something I think we're hunting out and feel like we need to do every year. Um, And we may
1: not do one, but I'm not against it. Somebody wants to know, what are your thoughts on the current state of facilities? I know we've talked about this before, but uh, what can you say maybe about the practice facility and anything that, as you go forward through your tenure here, you would like to add uh, in, in the future? Yeah, I think, I think it's always uh, an arms race to keep up, and a lot of it
0: is recruiting. And a lot of it is not only recruiting new guys that come in, but, Stephen, now it's recruiting your own players because of the portal and how easy it is to just, you know, come in. Go in the portal, know you can go somewhere else the next year. And so now you're so there's so much that goes into So you. I think you always want to be ever improving, ever evolving when it comes to facilities. What we have here right now is fantastic. We got a great practice facility. We got Minji's Coliseum, which is a true home court advantage if we get that place rocking. We got everything in one-stop shop in the same building, meaning offices, facility, practice facility, arena, right across the way we got the weight room. So we got everything in terms of what we need to get better every day. And, and in the end of the day, that's what's most important. Are there cosmetic stuff that we would love to add to continue? You know, whether it be the lounge or whether it be add a film room. You know, right now we don't have a film room here or the locker room. Uh, you know, to update the locker room, sure, we'd love to do that and it will be beneficial and it'd be great. And but more importantly, it's going to be great for the guys. Uh, we told this to to uh, people, the coaches. We don't need anything. Any improvements that we do, it's going to be for our players. So that would be locker room lounge, anything in the practice facility that makes it better for them, technology-wise that we can do to make it better, anything we can do to make it better for those guys is what's most important. Um, I'd say as big as anything, too, and it doesn't really go to facilities, we got to continue to want to make meal enhancement, nutrition, that's got to be a huge part of our program. Uh, That, in conjunction with strength and conditioning and sports performance, that's as big as anything so more important than painting an office wall or anything like that those are the things that anything we can add for our players to make it a better experience for them and then also for recruiting coming in uh that that's the most important thing
1: uh somebody asked outside of the obvious obviously you know winning a a lot of games has there been any discussion among you know yourself and the administration as far as you know, improving the game day environment and marketing plans, this might fall more on, on the marketing staff or whatnot, but just in terms of getting more excitement, energy, and I I know you're speaking on the Amada, I believe this week's where you can kind of engage with the fan base, but has that been a a priority at all? Yeah, it's a real priority. I, 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 unfortunately I can't sit here and
0: and eloquently talk with you in terms of what it compares to, because I, I don't know enough about the game day atmosphere here now. I've been in this building one time, it was when I was at the university it was at Tulsa and we played here and it was a great atmosphere in the game and but as far as all the things that I know you're referring to, here's what I do know is that social media presence I think is important and I think we want to enhance the basketball social media presence that we have to engage with the fans. I enjoy communicating and talking with the fans and meeting. So I wanna do my part to be able to be there. Whether it's the armadas that we're around and meeting people or it's just being Visible and being around in in this community, I think Greenville is an awesome place. All the people I've met, whether it's at restaurants or whether it's being out, I think it's fantastic. I don't know if that drives up the game day experience at all. You know, I haven't been here long enough to know that. But what I do know is that I think the people are awesome here, and I think in engaging with and meeting people has been really a high point for me in my first two months here. Um, But that being said, I think anything we can do. As we move forward into this season, from a social media standpoint, in terms of getting the word out or getting people excited about this team, most importantly, getting people excited about these players, these new players and the returning guys, and then what game day atmosphere looks like, whether it be prior to game or halftime or post game or leading into the next game, I just don't know enough about that stuff yet to be able to give a a good enough answer to say, hey, here's how we're going to make it better or here's what we're going to do, but I do know it's important, and I think the administration and leadership does
1: too, and we're just going to keep trying to make it better as as we go. Uh, we have uh, a couple of people you mentioned eating around town. Uh, have you had a favorite restaurant or meal in Greenville thus far uh, from your, your brief time here? I think
0: I've, I've, Coach Barnes coached me on this one time, and he said, if you say one place is your favorite, it's great for that place, but you're just going to piss off a lot of other people. So <laughs> what, what I'll say is this. I've loved every place we've gone. They tease me a little bit here. I've gone to lunch with a couple people, and every time I walk out of I say, that's my new favorite place in Greenville. And so I've been to about half a dozen different places. I've loved The, the barbecue's been fantastic. I've had some great deli sandwich places that I thought were, were really good. We've had dinner on official visits at quite a few different uh, places, and they've all been fantastic everywhere we've gone. Not only have we enjoyed them, but the, the recruits and their families have liked them. And uh, you know what I like? I'm a coffee guy guy and so there's great coffee in greenville that i found so far so i'm excited about that also
1: nice nice some big coffee guys well <laughs> um favorite go-to song to get yourself pumped up on a game day do you have one go-to Oh, boy. What, hey, you know what?
0: Whatever the players, whatever's going to make them feel better that day, that's my favorite song, too. <laughs>
1: right, right. And then uh, somebody asked, have you had the chance to check out any ECU sporting events Yeah, I know I saw you and I think Coach Davis had a baseball game uh, uh, shortly after you got here.
0: Yeah, I've gone to two baseball games already. I love it. I love baseball as a sport. But I, I love college athletics. I can't wait for the football season. I can't wait to be able to go to soccer or softball or you know other, any other sports. But baseball is what I've got a chance to go to so far. Uh, and, again, been to two of them. And uh, we were talking about before we started today, excited about this baseball team and excited about you know postseason opportunity that's coming down the stretch. But, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. We had a great stadium, and the crowd was awesome, and the way they – perch out in the outfield out there and get behind the team. It's just great. So um, I've loved it so far, but baseball definitely
1: has been a good experience. Well, Coach Schwartz, Phil, I don't want to take up any more of your time. So I just want to say I appreciate, you know, we went about 50 minutes. So I appreciate that, and I know you're busy. so. Uh, I think a lot of fans will enjoy this getting to know your more of your philosophy and, and really excited about meeting these players. I think they 're really going to enjoy these guys when they get in, but we appreciate the time today oh
0: thank you. I really appreciate your time stephen i 'm super excited to be here i 'll say this, and I do believe this. I know that you know I look at this like an opportunity of a lifetime. I absolutely do, and I, I think about that every morning when I wake up and when I shut it down in the evening, I think about that too. This is absolutely an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, we're excited about these guys coming here. I think the fans are going to be excited about
1: meeting them, and um, yeah, looking forward to looking forward to this summer and looking forward to uh, next season. That is head coach Mike Schwartz. That is the Oyster Colors podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.